Jonah chapter 1, verse 11. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. That was the words of the sailor. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We come, friends, in our studies uh, in Jonah to this portion, the final part of uh, chapter 1. And my subject this morning is, The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Surely the bitterness of death is past. So so uttered the words of a king in the Old Testament. King Agag. He was a wicked king. He was a violent king. He had done much harm uh, to others. But when he uttered these words, he had been captured by Israel. He had been captured by Saul. But Saul did something very foolish. Saul spared him. Saul should have punished him. Saul should have given him the justice that was due to him and uh, should have hewn him down. Instead, Saul left him off the hook. But then he comes before Samuel the prophet and he utters these words before Samuel, surely Samuel, the bitterness of death is past. Surely that my judgment is over. Surely now I, I I can go free. Surely you will let me go free. And Samuel wouldn't, wouldn't budge. Samuel didn't give in uh, to his pleas. And he was there and then righteously executed before uh, Samuel. It was a just execution because he was a wicked king and he deserved such a judgment. Well, friends, you'll see how this relates in a minute to, to Jonah. Because last week we saw and left Jonah in a good position. There he was, he'd come to that point of confession of sin. Oh, it took him a while to get to that point where he actually admitted that he was a a sinner who had disobeyed the Lord. The Lord had to send a violent storm across uh, his way uh, and uh, to put his life and the lives of all the other sailors in great danger. And then the lot was cast, as we saw, and the lot fell of all the people on board the ship. The lot fell on Jonah. It was Jonah's name that came out of the hat. And the fingers are all pointed at him, and the eyes are all gazing upon him. And then we saw as well the questioning of the mariners. What have you done, Jonah? And then when he told them what he had done, why have you done it? And all these things God used to bring Jonah to that confession that he had disobeyed the Lord. And he comes and we saw how he openly and honestly 
admitted his sin and confessed that he had indeed uh, done wrong. He had this commission from the Lord to go and preach to Nineveh, but he was instead of going to Nineveh, he was running in the opposite direction. He was disobeying the Lord, and that's why all these troubles were happening. And he made that confession to them, and we are sure as well that he must have made at the same time that confession in his heart to the Lord. The text doesn't say that, but it must be something that he also uh, did. He, he admitted before the Lord God that he had sinned. Surely then we may, he may say, and we may say, that's it. Surely that's the end of the matter. Jonah has now confessed his sin. Jonah has now admitted that he has done wrong. That's it. Everything is over and done with. Let's call it a day. Jonah now is to be free. The, the storm should now cease, shouldn't it? Everything should return to a calm, but it doesn't. It doesn't. This, in fact, we read the sea wrought and was tempestuous still. That means it got even more violent than it was. The storm became even more fierce than it was. But Jonah's confessed. Why isn't there, why isn't there peace now? Why isn't everything God... God, he's confessed to God. Why is it still raging as it does? Why is the ship still being tossed uh, from one side to another? Why are the passengers and the sailors still hanging on for dear life? The confession of Jonah appears to have made no difference. No difference. Why? God doesn't seem to be pacified still. God still seems to be angry with Jonah. Why? Well, friends, we'll come to the answer in a moment. But just look at this in verse 11, because there's something very surprising here. They, the sailors, said to Jonah, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? This is so surprising. In fact, the whole narrative in Jonah, there are so many surprises in it. But uh, here they, they say, What shall we do unto you? That's so strange, isn't it? Imagine a criminal. He's being caught uh, red-handed at doing something, and he admits his crime to the police, and then the police say, well, now what shall we do with you? <laughs> what shall we do? How shall we treat you? Let me go. Let me go. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it, would, it wouldn't happen, isn't it? It's odd, isn't it, what these sailors are saying to him. It's so unusual. They were sailors after all. They were not gentlemen. They were not gentlemen who dealt politely and delicately with people. They were rough-handed sailors. They were mobs, you could say. They were used to that kind of a life. The rough life, the hard life. They were rough people. They could so easily have gotten a hold of him. Okay, you're the cause of all our troubles. Chuck him overboard. Everyone, hands all day. Chuck this man, this man overboard. That's what they would have felt like if normally, but they were restrained. They didn't do that. Why not? Well, they've come to re recognize that Jonah is some, some, somebody different, isn't it? They've come to rep recognize that he is more than just any ordinary man. He's a prophet of God. He's a representative of God. And therefore, they are somewhat afraid to mishandle this man. Something must be done, it's true, to still the storm, but they dare not they, uh, uh, take up Jonah's advice immediately and cast him there into the sea. They long for peace, but they are restrained because they want to be very, very careful with what they do with this man. 
verse 12. Again, Jonah gives the answer. This is what you must do. Take me up and cast me forth in the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Hurl me into the sea, he says. It's such a noble reply, isn't it? That's such a manly thing for him uh, to do. That's such a manly response. We could even say it's quite a heroic response on his part. Throw me into the sea. This is not, friends, Jonah coming under such intense feeling and such intense pressure that he can't handle the situation and he just says, throw me into the sea, let it be over and done with. I can't bear it anymore. That wouldn't be right for him to, do, to think like that. No, that would, it sounds almost like suicide, isn't it? Throw me into the sea. Or some kind of assisted uh, suicide. He asked the men to throw him into the sea. You do it. It's common today, isn't it? Well, it's, it's very common in some countries, more even than ours, thankfully. But uh, thankfully it's not so, so widespread in this land. But perhaps it will be this suicide and assisted suicide. Friends, these things are against the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. It's not only talking about not killing others in murder, but also not killing others in terms of taking their lives, not us taking our own lives, not euthanasia, not abortion. All these things are forbidden in that sixth commandment. So ordinarily, yes, even though this sounds like uh, assisted suicide, in this case, there, there, it is something different. But incidentally, did you, have you heard what's happening in Canada? Have you heard even how over 10,000 people lose their lives through assisted suicide in that one country? And now they've expanded uh, uh, the legitimacy of it to in, now include those who are mentally ill? Oh, friends, where is this going? And they're even allowing for those who are under 16 to even come into a certain category where they can also ask for these things. It's wrong, friends. It's so wrong. But here in this case, we have to say, uh, naturally speaking, yes, uh, suicide or assisted suicide is, is out of the question. It's against God. But here is an exception uh, to the rule. Here is... Jonah says this thing, cast, take me up, cast me forth into the sea, because he has a divine directive from God. He knows that this is what God wants him to do. God has told him to do it, because he's, it's a, going to be a lesson for Jonah, and it's going to be a picture, an illustration for us of what Christ has done also. We could think of Abraham, isn't it? Abraham was asked to do something that we will never be asked to do. Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac, his son. Well, that was, why did God ask him to do that? Because it was going to be a picture of what God would do when he sent his own son, Christ, to make an atonement for sinners. But ordinarily, we're not asked to. It would be wrong for us to do any such thing, to sacrifice our children. God hated it. And so it is here... Uh, Jonah tells them uh, to uh, cast him into the sea. The fault is in me. And as soon as you do this, the sea will be calm again. Jonah knows that uh, he, he deserves to be punished. 
because of his disobedience. He censures himself. He doesn't seek a way to escape the punishment. He doesn't plead for a, a reprieve from it. He doesn't plead for a stay of execution. He doesn't ask, ask for a, a lenient sentence. Oh, just wait a few hours. Surely the storm will go away. He doesn't say that to the sailors. Give me some time. He makes no compromise. He doesn't ask for a conditional sentence. He doesn't ask for community service. He knows he de deserves to go into that deep water and die. That's what's in his mind. Rather than asking for a reprieve, he, he says, take me up, hurl me into the sea. And he fully expected to die. Friends, here is the answer to the question I just posed. Why didn't the storm cease after Jonah's confession? Well, here's the answer. Because God's justice, God's justice is still unsatisfied. God's justice demands a penalty for sin. God's justice demands that Jonah must pay for his sin. And Jonah had to learn that lesson, that the wages of sin is death. That there are consequences to your sin, Jonah. You cannot just, confession is a good thing, but that's not enough. Confession, friends, yes, it brings some peace to our souls. Yes, it also alleviates, it alleviates us, but it's just really a stating of the facts. The actual sin has not been paid for. And God cannot arbitrarily just forgive people, as some religions teach. He cannot just say, I forgive you now that you've confessed. God's justice says, but that sin must be punished. That sin must be paid for. A penalty must be paid for what he has done. So here, for example, is a man. Uh, he's a murderer. Uh, he's, he's been arrested. He's under questioning. And under questioning again and again, hour after hour, he finally breaks and he admits, yes, I did it. I did it. I confess. And he feels good about his confession. He comes clean and tells everything uh, about what he has done. And he admits, yes, I am guilty. Should he then be released? Should he, the police and the judge and say, okay, you're now free to go back into the community because you've made a confession? No, the law says he must still be punished. He must still be punished for his crimes. He cannot go back uh, free. Now, friends, I know I spoke on this uh, last week, but I, I, I don't mind mentioning, I think there's no harm in mentioning it once again. Before a person is ever saved, they must realize this. We must come to this uh, knowledge that I deserve to die because of my sins. I am deserving of an eternal death. I have sinned against God. I've been such a rebel against Him. From my very birth, I've, I've disregarded His standards. I didn't want Him to rule over me, even though I may have been a, a child and I brought up in the church and every Sunday I went to church and I had the Bible in my hand, but in my heart I really was a rebel against Him. And I didn't like it and I didn't want to go and I didn't want to serve Him and I didn't want to accept His command. I wanted to go my own way. I don't want God. And because I've done that, friends, I deserve God's justice, isn't it? 
I deserve, God would be perfectly right, God would be perfectly just and holy to cut me off from his presence and from goodness forever and forever and forever. And he'll be right to do that. Because that's what I deserve. No, 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 not me. <laughs> I went to church. I was pretty good. Oh, friends, you haven't got it. You haven't got it if, you, if you're that. Don't cast me into the sea. I don't deserve to go into the sea. I deserve to be preserved alive. Well, friends, we need to see how God's justice is alongside his mercy. You'll never really appreciate how merciful and gracious God is until you see his justice. God's justice, friends, is inflexible. You cannot bargain with God's justice. You cannot say to God's justice, well, I promise to do better, and then will you just let me off the hook? I promise to uh, go to church every Sunday. I promise, I vow, uh, to uh, put away my sins. I promise to be good from now on, to serve you. You can't bargain with God like that. It doesn't work. God's justice still remains unsatisfied. Only thing that will satisfy justice is death. Death. A payment must be made, and the only payment that can be made is death. Either I must pay the penalty myself in an eternal separation from God, and an eternal second death, that's what it is, or somebody must come in and pay the penalty for me. Somebody must come and make an atonement for my sins. Somebody must come and take upon himself that which was due to me. Is there anybody like that? Who will take my place? Who will say to Jonah, Jonah, don't jump overboard. Don't be cast. Let me go in your place. Let me be cast overboard instead of you. Who will do that? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did that. He did that, friends. He came from heaven so that he may die in our place. And what was he doing on the cross? Oh, friends, we say this so often in our gospel services. There on the cross, it wasn't only a demonstration of his love. It was that so much. But it was there on the cross that that punishment that was due to, to, uh, to all those who trusted him was laid upon the Son of God. The agonies and the eternal punishment. He died so that we may be saved. He gave his life in that way for all who will trust in him. He paid that price. He satisfied God's justice. The whole, the wrath and the anger and the punishment that were due to me were placed upon his heads. Down, down, down he went into the depths of those waters of God's justice. Why? So that we may have calm, so we may have peace with God, so that we may sail off like these sailors into the distance, untroubled, safe. Our lives are saved. Jonah is gone. Christ is gone. Christ has gone into the depths to save us, that we may be spared, that we may go to heaven at last, that we may have peace with God. This is, uh, this is what we owe. Uh, to him, friends. Oh, look on to verse 13. Nevertheless, the men, they rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Instead of 
doing as Jonah said. These mariners, well, they tried their very, very best to, to save his life. They've taken to him in some way. They feel something for him now. They, they, they seem to have liked like his, his honesty and his, his, his manner with them. He hasn't tried to defend himself. He's just come clean with them. He's, he's openly confessed things. He's willing to be cast overboard. And it's sort of endeared Jonah to the sailors. And of course, they see him as God's representative. And so they are unwilling for him to lose his life in this manner. And they try as hard as they can. They, the word road is like digging. They, they tried as put in so much effort and exertion to bring that ship to the land, but they could not. They could not. They were thwarted by the Lord, of, co- of course. And that storm just kept getting more and more fierce and violent. And it's a picture for us, and it may be even before we come to faith in Christ, when we realize that we are under God's judgment, what do we do? Well, we try and put in effort into uh, satisfying God's justice. We try and pacify God by, well, now I'll do some good works. Now I'll put in some effort and I'll try and I'll stop swearing, I'll stop drinking, I'll stop doing all those bad things I used to do now, and then maybe God will be happy with me. And some people even go to extremes. We, we all know what Martin Luther did and at the extremes that he went through to find peace with God for his conscience and how he, he got on his knees at times and he went through all sorts of uh, uh, self-denying practices as he tried as hard as he could to avert the anger of God but it was only when Luther received salvation as a gift and not something that was earned a gift in Christ that he came to know peace with, with, with Christ, with God tormented in his conscience a storm was raging in his conscience he tried all he could but he couldn't uh, obtain peace. That's what maybe we we try and do as well, but they will all prove ineffective. We cannot satisfy God's justice in our own way. But here we see that they are resigned, isn't it, to to pitching Jonah into the sea. And uh, here's another surprise in verse 11, sorry, verse 14. They pray. (laughs) They're praying. These These sailors who just a few minutes ago were crying to their own gods to their idols are now praying to the true God. Verse 14, wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, we beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. An amazing uh, turnaround takes place uh, in them. And here they are so earnest. We beseech thee, O Lord. We beseech thee. And uh, in such difficult circumstances, it seems as if they have come to know the, the Lord. It seems as if they've come to know the true God are here. Their, this prayer and their subsequent actions of offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving and making vows, well, it suggests to us, doesn't it, that they've been converted. I cannot say for, for definite at least they're definitely on the road to conversion. But it was never intended for, for them, in a sense. This is what we could call an accidental blessing that has come their way. Jonah was commissioned to go to Nineveh. 
He was commissioned to go to them and tell them to repent and believe. Jonah was not sent to these sailors. And yet God used even Jonah's disobedience to awaken these mariners and to bring them to the knowledge of himself. Oh, friends, God moves, doesn't he, in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. Well, verse 15, uh, so they took up Jonah and cast, and, uh, and cast him forth into the sea. They took up Jonah. But hold on, stop. Give me a moment before you throw him overboard. Stop, Let's, let me ask Jonah a question or two. Before you throw him into those violent wa- waves. Jonah, Jonah, let me ask you. You are soon to meet You're at the point of death. You are soon to meet your maker. You are soon to meet your creator. You are soon to meet your God and your judge. Jonah, are you ready to die? Are you ready to meet him? Are you ready to face him who made you and gave you life? And to whom you must give an account? And his answer, I'm sure, would have been, yes, I'm ready. I have confessed my sins. I am forgiven. I am ready to die. I am ready to meet Him. I have made my peace with Him. How about us, friends? Where are we? That question comes to us. What, at the end point of our life, well, uh, uh, are we ready to meet God? Are we ready to leave this world and go into eternity? Are my sins atoned for? Am I a forgiven man? Am I now today accepted with God through Jesus Christ? Have I received Christ as my Savior? Has He forgiven me? Has has He been my representative that I hold on to and cling on to by faith and not myself? These are questions that we must be able to answer, friends, in the positive uh, before we we leave this, this world. And so they cast Jonah... Uh, into the sea. And just as soon as Jonah's head and his body hit the water, uh, he began to sink into its depths. So we read in an instant, the sea ceased from her raging. And the howling wind uh, died down, and the blue sky suddenly replaced the dark clouds. And everything was calm. Amazing. It's a miracle. God uh, as works a miraculous end to the storm. All is calm in a moment. And what a tremendous confirmation uh, to the mariners that the Lord was, is the only true God. And as we read even in our psalm, Psalm 107, i just read a few words uh, from there. Verse 25, For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet so he bringeth them unto their desired haven. The Lord uh, did these things, and they recognized it as his hands. And so they, in verse uh, 16, they offered, they feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. What kind of sacrifice? We don't know, but we are sure there must have been ones 
of thanksgiving and, uh, and offerings to the Lord and vows and promises, promises that they would serve him, promises that they would put away their idols surely and take this Lord Jehovah as their only God. Surely if they are not converted now, they will be not long uh, from now. And so they leave Jonah to all the intents and purposes. He's dead. He's gone. He's been cast into the depths of the sea. He's perished. That's the last thing that they have of, of him. But he's not forgotten. They will never forget him. They will remember him always, all the days of their life. And so the ship goes calmly sailing off uh, to Tarshish. Really, they have only one half of the story, isn't it? We have the other half. But as we come to a conclusion, friends, uh, Jonah, they thought, was dead. Jonah himself expected to die, but now the mercy of God uh, steps in. In the midst of judgment, we see uh, God's mercy. The Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. We can't really spend a lot of time with this today. We'll look at it a little bit more next week. But just note for now that the Lord made plans already to save Jonah. It was always his intention to save him. A great fish swallows him up. Well, apparently this is not a unique thing. Apparently it has happened to others. Jonah is not the only one to be swallowed by a great fish. But the interesting thing, the amazing thing here, is that there was a great fish ready to swallow Jonah when he sank uh, into the depths at that particular place. The Lord had arranged it, the Lord had prepared, the Lord had sent that fish to be in that particular place, ready to swallow him whole. And the drowning prophet is preserved, uh, and he is in the fish for three days and three nights. As a commentator said, uh, Hugh Martin, Uh, Beneath the surface, while he, God, holds the storm in his left hand, with his right hand, the Lord has prepared a deliverance. And behind the frown in the depths of the Lord's heart, what do you see? Protecting, redeeming, life-giving love, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Jonah is saved uh, from certain death and miraculously is kept alive in the belly of the fish. Oh, friends, as we close, we deserve, isn't it, to die for our sins. The wages of sin is death. But God has, in His great mercy, has prepared a way for us to be saved. He has prepared a way of salvation, as we have already mentioned, in Christ and in Christ alone. He alone has made an atonement for our sins. It's there, it's done, it's in place. Christ has done it all. All we need to do now is believe in it. I once knew a man, and he he had a badge here, a small badge, and it had just four letters on it, D-O-N-E, done, done. And he he used it as a witness here. People would go up to him, why have you got this done? Why are you wearing your badge called done? And he used to say to them, well, it's, Jesus Christ has done the work of salvation. Jesus Christ has finished the work of salvation. It's done. It's accomplished. All that you need to do is trust in Him. Trust in Christ and believe in Him and you will be saved. It's the gift, friends. 
It's a gift. We deserve to be going down. But God saves Jonah. It's also God saves us in Christ. It's a gift. All I need to do is receive him and receive the gift. So friends, behold, in one sense we could say the severity of God, the severity of his justice, its inflexibility cannot be bypassed. It cannot just, God's justice cannot turn a blind, blind eye to our sins. But then behold, on the other hand, the goodness of God and the mercy of God to undeserving people like ourselves. How much we owe to the Savior. How much we owe to Him. The sailors didn't forget Jonah. We shouldn't forget Christ. We shouldn't forget what He has done. He perished that I might live. He perished that I may have peace with God. He perished that I may have peace in my conscience. Let me love Him. Let me live for Him. Let me live for His glory. Well, let's close by sing, singing our final hymn, which is number 429, Forgiving Lord, how kind are all thy ways to me. 429. <clears throat>